Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. What's the first brand that you remember having an impact on you personally as a child? Um, it's going to be Crest Toothpaste. Mm. Because... Well, I have some PNG background, so I'm back. very happy to hear that. I used Colgate as a kid. So... But no, because I was doing commercials in the bathroom when I was like five years old, and I was doing toothpaste ads, like looking in the mirror. And so I think that was kind of you remember like... remember the slogan back then? Or no, the, I don't. The... I don't. But it was the great. Jingle? It was great content. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO podcast is Allegra O'Hare, the SVP and CMO of Gap. Allegra is a highly awarded marketer, and she has been in marketing at brands such as Champion, Bang & Olufsen, Lee & Wrangler, Adidas, and now Gap. Allegra is in her first year as CMO of Gap. This is a brand that we all know about. It was founded in 1969. It had a very strong point of view. It was a very strong part of culture. And now Allegra is trying to bring that energy to life in Gap in a modern way. This is my conversation with Allegra O'Hare. Allegra, welcome to the CMO Podcast. Are you wearing Gap today? Yes, I am. So I can, always wear Gap. Can you tell our listeners what you're wearing? I'm wearing that? Gap denim. <laughs> of course Both you jacket are. jacket and pants. Excellent. Yeah, mixed it, blue and black. <laughs> it looks great on you. <laughs> Thanks. For the listeners, anyway. I am not wearing Gap, but we can talk about that later. I, okay. I can be convinced. Oh, well, then I need to get you some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Uh, you have an Italian first name, an Irish or Scottish yeah. last name. So Irish. What's with that? Well, I'm really stubborn because being half Italian and half Irish, you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't forget anything. No, not at all. No, my mom's Italian. She lives in Venice, Italy, a beautiful place uh, in the world. My dad's American from St. Louis. And there's actually an interesting story about the O'Hare last name linked to the O'Hare Airport and Al Capone. But I'll get into that maybe on another podcast. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get there later. So you went to... Uh, you went to high school in Milan. Do I have that right? Yeah. I went to New Trier in Chicago. Then we moved to Milan, Italy, because my dad worked in a bank. Um, he got transferred. And then I went to ASM, yeah, American School of Milan. 
And then you went to Washington and Lee. Yes. That was in a, Virginia. That was a change. Yes. Yes, it was. Lexington, Virginia. How did that go? Oh, that was really interesting. I mean, a beautiful part of the world. Um, I don't know if you've been. Uh, I have. I've been to Virginia. Milan and they're very different. Yeah. And Virginia's beautiful. Um, it's a great school. Um, back then, I think they kept the same student um, to teacher ratio, but it was like 10 students per, per professor. Um, so it really gave you a lot of exposure to some really great talent. Um, when I started there, I actually wanted to major in Latin, if you can believe it You're or geeky. not. <laughs> uh, after after a couple of uh, of months in, I realized that probably wasn't the the direction that I wanted to go in. So I studied and majored in psychology. So psychology, and then you you went to graduate school at Bocconi. Do I have that right? Yeah, I did executive education in Bocconi and yeah. also in Harvard Business School. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting background educationally. Yeah. yeah. So why psychology? Um, I wanted to go into psychiatry. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I actually did work in some uh, mental health institutions because I really wanted to become a psychiatrist. But then I figured that it wasn't for me. Um, and so then I decided to go into marketing. <laughs> so it's consumer behavior. So we're going to get into your marketing career in a moment, yeah. but I want to get to know you a little bit better. So the first question is, what's a brand right now that you would really miss if it went away? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, hmm, that I'd really miss. That's a high bar, right? Yeah, I'd have to think. I mean, I'd have to think about it a little bit. Um, I think something that inspires me. I've been looking at a lot at fashion recently. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not, like the most recent um, Versace. They just did this. Yeah, I think you saw it, like the Jennifer Lopez activation or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought it was amazing what they did and Gucci as well. They turned it around. Um, if I look at fashion brands, I think that they're doing a lot of great content and great work. Yeah, I'd probably think those, but I'd have to think about it a little bit more. That was my next question, actually. What are your favorite fashion brands? You just oh, named yeah. two. Yeah, just named two. Uh, I love all, all types of fashion. I'm really into, it's going to sound snobby, <laughs> but it's true. I'm really into like the Belgian niche brands, uh, Dries Van Noten and you know, these very, um, you know, Raph Simmons as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I think that there's so much creativity there and I just love how they express it through product and premium product. And it's always a step ahead of the game. So it's something that I'm really interested in. So how do you stay current and fresh and on top of what's going on? Just what do you, um, how do you do that in your field? Obviously it's a yeah. personal passion of yours, but how do you be sure that you're it's, it's making the time to stay. Yeah. It goes back it. to people. Mm -hmm. I have a great team and just hiring the right people that are super connected to culture and that know what's going on. Um, and, and having that exposure and that conversation, cause I don't pretend to know everything obviously, and I never would, but I just hire the people that I think are super connected that, are, you know, have that as a passion and that can bring it and feed it into the mm -hmm. teams. So that's uh, that's a way that I, stay connected. Then of course I'm always on social probably too much, um, which is some, something that I do. Is How I many hours to, a day? Oh my God. Be I honest. Even, yeah. I, you know, you've got the stats in your phone, which are really scary. I know they are. <laughs> I know. Um, but I try to detox. So I, I try like over the weekend, I try to shut things down um, and, and try to, you know, just go outside and just interact like a normal human being. So that's a good thing to do now and then. <laughs> yeah. So what's one thing we could not find out about you online? Um, well, it's, it's pretty funny. I carry little Tabasco bottles in my bag because I love Tabasco and I love spicy food. So just want to make sure that I have enough all the time. 
So if we want to have a little something after the podcast, you yeah, have something exactly. in your bag? Okay, good. We may do that. So who's the person that's most influenced your career to date? It's it's my partner, Francisco, definitely. Um, he's like my sounding board all the time, you know, when I'm questioning things, et cetera. He's, um, he's had a, a incredible career himself um, as now chief procurement officer for a very important company in the U.S. And um, and he's just my sounding board. He grounds me all the time. So he's been great um, in the past years, you know, when I just need to check in some things. He's a wonderful person. So you're relatively, we'll get into this later, but you're relatively new at The Gap. Yeah. And what did you say about that opportunity when it arose? Oh, great. Great. Okay. Yes. So what's the most interesting thing that we should talk about on this podcast? Well, I think um, I, I'm, I love talking about um, the impact of people in the organization. I, I just don't think we talk enough about it. We talk about business, we talk about strategy, but I think um, people and keeping talent and hiring the right individuals, I think is um, a talent in itself. And it I is, think indeed. we, you know, and, and how we grow them and how do we, I call it the yin yang principle. I always think that the highest performing team are a mix of culturally diverse people with different thinking and you know, ways of thinking, I think that then grounds you in culture. And then if you're grounded in culture from a brand point of view, then that's when you start pivoting things and pivoting the business. So I think people play a tremendous part of the success of the company. I just don't think that we discuss enough or talk enough about talent and what are the right types of talent nowadays when you're trying to, you know, you know, especially connect with a younger consumer mm -hmm. target and how do you work with talent in the organization? How do you work with external partners as well? Because they're part of the quote unquote family. You know, how do we orchestrate all sure. of that? Sure. You know, I get asked a lot about what's your definition of a brand and how's a brand different from marketing and all that stuff. I do, I do some teaching mm. and I always say, you know, a brand is nothing more than the collective behavior of the people who work yeah. on that brand. Yeah. It's nothing more or less. Yeah. So if you don't pay attention to the people, you don't have a brand. Yeah. And it's it's all about what they do together. Yeah. As as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's like, and how do you, you know, it's like about um roles and responsibilities. It's about feedback and how you give feedback. It's about expectations. You know, in my career I always learned to listen a lot. I'm not a great listener. Um, and that's something that I really worked on because I tend to move really fast. But uh, when you move very fast, you lose people along the way. So I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not going to be successful if everybody doesn't come along and some people need more explanation and some people are more analytic. And so, so I really, you know, to bring people along, I just really built that capacity to really focus and listen to what. How did you change to... that behavior in yourself? As well, a person, as a leader, it's just self awareness. Because when you know you're not particularly good at it, then you just have to keep on checking yourself and be like, "Am I really listening?" I'm like, because I'm also a very creative individual, so my head starts to wander, and I'm already thinking about results and getting things done, and then I'm not listening. And so I just had to build in that awareness, um, and uh, and yeah, and to to bring people along for the journey, for the turnaround, for the whatever you're going to do, you really have to build that capacity to, to listen to people and really understand what their needs are and understand how to take that and then be like, okay, now we're going to move ahead in this way and ex explain it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
So before you came to Gap, you worked on some really remarkable brands. So mm-hmm. I want to list the brands, at least most of them that yeah, you worked sure. on. And I want you to sort of give me one quick lesson that is most resonant from that experience on that brand okay. in that time. So All the right. first one is Champion, right? Yeah. yeah. It was owned by Sarah Lee at the time. Yeah. You were young. You were out of school. very young. So oh what was God. the lesson there? And it can be a simple one. Yeah. You know, it's one of your first jobs, right, in the professional world. Yeah, and as a first job, just throw yourself in. I think that that was my learning. You know, you do go in um, thinking that you should be doing just certain things because you're in marketing, but if there's something that has to do with product and somebody needs help or, you know, just, just keep throwing yourself in because it's a learning experience. Um, so it doesn't matter if it's finance, they call you in for just, yeah, just go just do and it. just don't say no. Yeah. yeah probably that. Bang and Olufsen. Product quality um, and maniacal attention to product quality and details and huge passion for that. And that's, that's, I actually worked on product as well when I was there and I just felt that, that passion behind, behind product and how Product is so important to the success of any of any business. Do you still have some of that brand yeah. in your life? You do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Lee and Wrangler, right? the denim companies. Yeah, that's younger consumer target. That's when I really started to understand the dynamics of targeting, you know, denim as a cultural brand and how, you know, you have to have a, a specific approach, both because it's a cultural they're culturally relevant brands with lots of heritage, but also denim is a very cultural product. Um, and then targeting a younger consumer demographic. Were those brands healthy when you were on them? Lee was. Wrangler was not as healthy. Um, but Lee was because I was in Europe and um, it was growing a lot back then because they took a very fashion um, approach to it versus commodity approach, which was the approach of Lee in the U.S. at the time. Not sure now how it's doing, but that definitely was more successful in Europe. So you were 12 years at, how do you, Adidas, Adidas? In the U.S., it's Adidas. 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 Yeah, I know, I know. Germany, Adidas. Adidas. So yeah, a big chunk of your career was on there, and you really had quite a run. I mean, yeah. The stock price soared. The brand yep. got relevant again. The brand yep. was creative and innovative and unexpected. You you won lots of awards for work you did there. Yeah. So wow. So you know, tell us about that. Yeah. Well, the it, major lesson that you are taking forward. Oh, it, from those, it flew by when you said twelve, 12 years. years I yeah. Was, oh, I was like, oh my god, yes, twelve years. Uh, it really went by really fast. Um, I had the opportunity to work for a great organization. I was able to work in market. I was able to work at global headquarters. I also worked three years at Reebok, which is part of the company. Mm-hmm. So I was able to see also the more sports and fitness angle to the business. I think in an organization that size, the one thing that um, I really took with me is stick to the plan. You know, So if you take a decision, create strategy, you stick to it. And through, th- through thick and thin, um, through difficult times and not difficult times, because memory is short, but you know, also that, that company went through a very difficult moment in time where it wasn't, the brand wasn't relevant and was not connecting, but there was a strong global plan behind it, which was thought through and the whole organization stuck to it. And now you see a lot of the results that are coming, still coming forward. So that's probably the, the mantra that I took with me 12 years. <laughs> what are you most proud of from your time there? 
on my team. Definitely. We had the, an incredible high performing team that was built really from scratch when I started. Um, I'd been there four years and, um, it was not in a good place when I got there. And just the, the talent that I brought in, the passion, um, that the one thing that I was most proud of was the team that was built. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. You're a highly awarded global marketer, right? And I could read the list. Business Insider, Most Innovative CMO 2017, Most Powerful Woman in Sports, New York's Most Influential Women in Marketing, Grand Prix at Cannes for Adidas work, Adweek's Brand Genius Award yeah. 2000. So, you know, you're in great company with those kinds of awards. Which one was most significant for you in terms of the award and when it kind of happened in your life? Ah, uh, I'd probably say the Grand Prix. In Cannes. Um, in Cannes. In 2016, 17? Yeah, I think 2016, okay. I think, or yeah. 17. I can't remember right now. I think that was the one that really made me understand like how much of an impact we were making with the content that we were creating. It had never been one before. Um, and besides the Grand Prix, there were other gold, silver awards, but this one on top of it all was, um, was the best. And I'm a very competitive person. So especially with the competition. So for me to get on stage, um, having beaten Nike, who That's, won the gold, that, but not the Grand Prix. <laughs> For me, that was a uh, very special moment. <laughs> that was really special, again, because I'm just so competitive. Um, and I think that and it was great. It was a great moment because everybody, um, it's very unique. And, you know, when you go to Cannes, it's very much about awarding the agency. But the relationship that we had also with Johannes Leonardo, um, it was great because the whole team went on stage. So also all of my team. So it was just like this huge team effort. Um, which just felt great because it went beyond the Grand Prix, but just about how, again, going to what we were talking about before, how people play such an important part to the success of a brand. You just can't do it alone. But if you've got great partners and great teams, you know, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. It was close to your line, wasn't it? Anything is possible. Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So what athlete did you enjoy working with the most in your, in your time at Adidas? Um, well, I mean, because when I, when I worked at Adidas, we worked um, – on the originals mm -hmm. business unit group. So it's very much um, linked to fashion and, um, and you know, more of that angle. We did have, we did work with athletes, but um, marginally versus the sport performance mm -hmm. business unit, which is very focused on sports. I think like one So thing which that, celebrity then? Well, I love Stan Smith. Oh. He's just my favorite person in the entire world. I mean, I, you know, when I also won the Brand Genius Award um, and the ceremony, he came with me to the ceremony. And that was oh, also a very sweet. special moment. Um, and he's just such a great individual. He's super inspirational. In fact, I only wear 
Dan Smith's basically all the time. And um, I think that that was one of the most special people that, you know, I've met in my tenure there. Yeah. How old is he now? I think he's 70, 70. more or less. He doesn't look it, but yeah. Is he still he's, playing tennis? Oh, yeah. 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 He's a great, great man. So what about that experience that 12 years kind of prepared you for Gap? What is it about that experience that you're using or the gave you a framework yeah. or perspective for what you're look, doing. Probably now. the complexities of large organizations. Um, so beyond marketing, but just like processes, milestones, um, go to market calendars, uh, probably the more unsexy quote unquote um, things in a business, but that are fundamental to make things happen. Um, so I think that that was just, it, it was massive obviously. And, and working when I worked at the end, you know, and for four years in the global role, I was able to kind of complete a journey and see like, okay, I know how it works in market, in region, at global headquarters. And that gave me just a complete overview as how to, um, you know, businesses run in an organization of that size, which is enormous. Mm-hmm. So you're the CMO of Gap now. And yes. I assume all listeners know what Gap is. Yes. Right? Founded in they 1969. Should. They should. They yeah. should. I hope so. I hope so. So tell me why you said yes. Well, first and foremost, the brand. Um, it's it's a incredible brand with 50 years of heritage. And the op- I just see the opportunity behind it. And the love that people have for Gap is incredible. Um, there is not one person who didn't have a place in their heart for the Gap brand. But they were just saying, hey, but what are you doing? Where have you been? And so um, some people say I thrive in challenging uh, environments. And I thought, well, this is a great challenge. It's a great brand. I, when, I, when I interviewed just people I met, it was just very um, passionate, engaging, very warm and open. And everybody really getting behind this turnaround. And I thought this is a great, great experience. And, um, and I really wanted to, to work on a culturally relevant brand that just needed to start up again. Mm-hmm. Are you based in San Francisco or New in York? New York. New York. Yeah. yeah. But the company is in San Francisco, yeah. right? They still are. Yeah. So you've been now CMO for eight months? Yes. Eighth month. <laughs> eighth month. So tell us how you onboarded. You know, you came in kind of at a senior level. That's not easy. Yeah. So new culture. Of course, you had been in on lifestyle brands. But what did you do that worked and didn't work in your onboarding? Well, I use this framework. Um, which I love talking about it kind of because there's so much going on. Um, it's hard to organize your thoughts, right? Where do you start? Where, where do you not start? You know, cause you only have so much time and so much energy. So I use this framework called issues, outcomes, and actions. And it's basically an Excel sheet and you just start by listing all of the issues, right? And, that you're hearing. Yeah. You talk and to it can be, I mean, yeah. it's pages. Um, so you spend a lot of time chatting with people. Yeah, talking to people, trying to understand points of view, um, where, where the opportunities lie, and you start listing the issues. Then the next column, you go to the outcomes. It's like what was shared outcome, you know, um, become a culturally relevant brand again or gain X market share, et cetera. Um, and then you go into actions. And then you're like, okay, so what do I need to do that? And then you start listing your actions. And it's a great framework because I think – you know, in over 25 years of experience in companies and corporations, we always go into action mode before we really think through (laughs) 
<laughs> a lot of the issues and the outcomes that we want to achieve. And then it doesn't bring you the results that you want. So I've learned to kind of like just slow down there and and really think things through. And then that way you can also bring people on the journey to like, oh, I understand why we're doing this because this is what the issue we're trying to address. And anybody who knows me and whenever I go into meetings, I'm, I always ask, what's the issue? Like, because without that, I just cannot start thinking mm-hmm. about what we should So that's your first line in every meeting. Well, not in every meeting, but but often. I'm like, what's the issue? Um, And often the action is the wrong action, right? Because Mm -hmm. then you think it through. You think, oh, but that's not what we should be doing. We should be doing something else. And it generally takes you to a much better place. So that's something that I did. You know, I started working on and kind of like a 90-day plan. And that's, that's something that I started from the beginning at Gap. So was your Excel spreadsheet... Load it. What do you mean? By- With issues, outcomes, actions? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I just saw, but I, then I had to prioritize, right? Yeah. right? And what, what are the ones that are most important? Because when you start in a new job like chief marketing officer, you get inundated with lots of stuff that needs to be done, but then you need to organize your thoughts and your teams. I have a team of about 240 people. So if I'm not organized in my thinking, um, then it's hard for everybody else to get organized and structured. And in fact, that brings me to my next, you know, big project that I'm working on. It's like the strategic North Star for the brand. It's like, so a three-year plan of like really where we should be going from a brand point of view. And that takes a lot of more Is that numbers or is that words? Is it more like a purpose or North Star? Is it more a financial stretch? It's it's, no, it's, I mean, the brand's got a mission, a vision, right? It's got everything, but then we need to ground it in what culturally is happening today. And what will be happening in the next couple of years, being true and authentic to um, to the ethos of the brand, the heritage, and of course we don't want to change that. But I need to, to to develop that, and then I can ground all the work that we do, the content creation, social strategy, influencer strategy is an extension of of that of that brand um, marketing north star that really will help line up the next couple of years. So that's a lot of work that we're doing right now, um, which I'm hoping will be ready in the next couple of months. So you can't talk a lot about that now because it's no. work in progress. <laughs> so I've heard you say that uh, part of what your remit is as CMO is to change the marketing operating model. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by that? And, well, and why did you say that? There's a lot of things there. but So it's about processes. It's about content creation. So how do we keep create content nowadays with, you know, for example, social media that's changing daily, um, digital. Um, there's just so many things that keep moving quickly. We can't think that we have the traditional uh, marketing model of creating campaigns and then, and you've probably heard this many times, and then you kind of like just repurpose them for the channels. The channels have to start together with brand marketing and communications and creative concept development to think through their channels as we move ahead. So that's the that's the pivot that we need to make as an organization and also how do we become omni-channel. I know it's like marketing cliche words, but it is but about- you can't get complacent on it, even yeah. if you're doing well at it, it's changing all the time. Yeah, and I always say um, complacency is the death of creativity because like, what worked yesterday is not going to work tomorrow, and we have to keep on challenging ourselves. So, again, omni-channel uh, marketing model is really important 
um, brought in a person who's who's dedicated just for that. So it's it's really changing the way that we're approaching marketing versus a more traditional way mm -hmm. that was done in the past mm -hmm. and taking everybody along the journey, right? It's a journey. It's not going to happen mm -hmm. overnight, but as long as you know that's where you're going, then everybody can work against it. So you're in your eighth month and I've heard you talk about kind of what you're doing and your issues and so on, your onboarding and, you know, and bringing the model sort of to a different place, the process. So, so what is marketing at Gap? I mean, what, what is the work? You know, if you had to tell someone, here's what we do, you know, what would it, what buckets would it fall into? I mean, is product design in there? Is, is, you know, communication in there? Is retail in there? Is, is e-commerce in there? I mean, what mm -hmm. is, what is, it's, it's a, it's a issue that many companies are wrestling with now because mm -hmm. things are changing so much with all of our business models with the yeah. consumer. Um, hmm, I think it's, I mean, without product and great product as the heart of everything that you're doing, I just don't think that you're um, going to get very far. Um, and a lot of kudos to the product teams, the designers, et cetera, for really turning around the product because marketing, you asked what marketing is, I'm like without great product on the other end, you know what, you can mm -hmm. do anything, but it's, it's not going to pivot. So I think product is always at the heart of everything that we do, but we want to build Gap to be a culturally um, relevant global brand through our product icons, through what we're known for. And we're known for denim, we're known for khaki, we're known for the t-shirts, uh, we're, we're known for our logo hoodie, which I'm a huge fan of. I love our Gap logo hoodie. And so I'd say that, you know, from a marketing point of view, that's what we're going to do is we're going to build a culturally relevant brand through our iconic products and, you know, be true to our values. So it is about simplicity. We've always been about simplicity. And if you look at our, all of our heritage advertising, it is simplicity. It is about inclusivity um, and individuality and optimism. You know, there's American optimism at the core essence of the brand and the company. And we want to bring that to life through the content that we create. So it's not an easy one because of course, you know, then you've got, you do have to think about retail experience. How does it link to .com and social, right? We're, we're working very hard on social um, and having a clear strategy and content that's purposed for social. So there's a lot going on. Basically. I, see, I see why you were, why you said yes. Right. And why you were hired. So culturally relevant in the conversation, who do you admire doing that these days? Yeah, my number one North Star, and I always look at that as like the benchmark, is Fearless Girl because PNG that changed that changed the um, the oh you mean State Street yeah State Street, State yeah. Street I was Global thinking Advisors. always the PNG brand which has yeah. done a lot about yeah know, no no the State yeah, Street yeah the State Street the statue yeah because yeah. I think that changed culture and I think once you know and it's always a dream but if you're able to change culture and through, they did it overnight. That was, it's it was very inspired. It's very inspiring. And I, you know, I kind of always use that as like my example. If anybody says, what, do you, what work do you think is great? It's like any work that changes culture in a positive way for me is, is amazing. Um, now, did they know it was going to happen or 
you know, then, then that's the question. Sometimes some of the biggest hits, quote unquote, are um, unexpected, right? And they just take off. But that means it really resonated with culture. And that for me is one of the greatest examples, I think. Yeah. Have, you should bring the team from FCB who helped State Street with that in mm. to talk to your group. I had them talk to my class in Cannes oh, okay. last year, the team that did it. And, you know, they they shared all the, the presentation was 10 things that you would never know about this initiative, mm-hmm. Fearless Girl. And it was really beautiful. They knew they had something really powerful. So they were prepared for that. Oh, okay. But they also said just the, you know, the power of the basic idea. I mean, yeah. it Simplicity. it is a statue, which we've been making for centuries and centuries. They made a statue and put it in a place, and the statue stood for something. And then the world took off with it, and they just kind of rode that. So, uh, so the power of a simple idea mm-hmm. that expressed what the company was trying to be. You know, it was just so fundamentally powerful. Yeah. It also shows the power of an agency. Mm-hmm. How how do you value that idea if you're State Street? Yeah. And then uh and then there's always the courage behind it, of right? Of course. So the best um the best ideas are the most courageous ones. And you have to have courage from both sides, both agency and client, and yeah, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't have both, then it's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah. There was just a study of all of the entries and the FEs, which is the marketing effectiveness mm-hmm. awards, for 50 years. Okay. And they, they, they studied all of them. A professor from Australia called Mark Ritson did all the work. And the highest scoring FE award winners were extremely high on courage. That was the number one correlation. Well, we know that, but they yeah. just see it in the quantitative data. Yeah. And it's still sort of an elusive thing. Yeah. That's very interesting. I actually judged at the FEs and... Um, yeah. Creative effectiveness is is something that we don't talk enough about. Mm-hmm. We don't, right? Mm-mm. Right. It's where it's at, right? Yeah. So we want both. Yeah, Great exactly. creative is effective and vice versa. Yeah. So your first eight months, what are you happy about and what are you not so happy about? Well, I'm really happy with the results of our campaigns, the two that we just launched, um, in particular, the denim campaign. Uh, all the key fits that were in the content that we created are, you know, double digit beat to plan. So it's it's, it's great. Working. It's great mm-hmm. to see that. We need more of that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's showing about speaking of creative effectiveness um, that we're having a return on on the investment that that we're making. So I'm definitely um, inspired for the next the next campaigns that are coming out shortly. Mm-hmm. Good. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. So how do you impact product in your role? There's product reviews. And I wouldn't call them product reviews, but there's milestones where we're involved with product. I think it's more like strategic, you know. So if if we're, and this is, goes part to the North Star that I'm still working on and I need just a little bit more time to get off the ground, but it's more like, you know, the icons. Like let's let's stay focused on those and that's through those that we'll build gap to be a cultural brand. Now we're not obviously designing the product for it, but we're definitely seeing the angle where consumers would be able to resonate and then we can all go together in the same direction. So I think it's more about speaking to the strategy, you know, speaking to the strategy of, you know, collaborations, which we should be doing. So it's very strategic conversations that we have. So that way we're rowing the boat together in the same direction. Um, so that I would say that's probably the angle that um, we would be connected 
direct product with, mm-hmm. mainly, mainly speaking. Yeah. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. You are, you know, your, your brand is, um, you know, is going through a reinvigoration, mm-hmm. right? And that's been very public. We had on a separate podcast, the CMO of Harley-Davidson is mm-hmm. also going through a brand reinvigoration. All of us in our career work on brand reinvigorations. I, I worked on many in my career at P&G. Are there any principles that you would share that would help others who are going through an experience like that? Brands have a life where, which, which it's not linear. Even the greatest brands have times, of course. Where they, so what are the principles? Is it you know communication? Is it resilience? Is it... Is it, uh, is it the vision? Is it, you know, what, what would be the principles that you would share having worked on a lot of interesting brands, including the current one, mm. in terms of how to keep your, I don't know, your optimism, your confidence mm-hmm. as you're going through a reinvigoration? Well, I th- there's a mix of things there because obviously positive leadership is hugely important. Um, you have to, you know, if it's reinvigoration, that means you're not starting from a, the best of places. And so you have to stay positive, stay positive. You know, and you spoke to resilience, you know, even in setbacks, because there's going to be moments when, especially when you're experimenting, right? Um, to change, you've got to experiment and there's going to be failures mm-hmm. for sure. But you have to learn from them and keep on moving and not take that as kind of like, yeah, a discouragement or a massive setback. So staying positive in these turnarounds is important for the entire organization. And, you know, and using setbacks or failures as learnings to then improve. Because then if you're not innovating, you're not changing and you're not progressing and improving. So I think positive leadership is is really important. Um and then, of course, I believe a lot in the team and the strategy. So do you have the best people on board? Are you working with the most talented, with the best of the best? Like You have to make sure that everybody in the organization, to, to different degrees and levels, but your, or your agencies as well, are you working with the highest performers? And are you making them gel together? like the yin yang principle it's like you need to mix things up and um and make sure everybody's complementing each other in the right way so it's not an easy task but then i go back to stick to the plan once you've got your strategy and your plan you stick to it um and and don't pivot and that's probably the hardest thing to do um is is to stay the course um and and just keep on going do you have any rituals that keep these different groups together and moving forward with the plan? Because I know, you know, you're working with external partners, you're working with different teams within the company. So I know what it's like. You're Mm -hmm. bringing a lot of different groups together. Some of them who have different incentives and 
dynamics within their organization. So mm -hmm. any rituals you have or any best practices or any principles to do that? Because it is, it just makes such common sense, but it is hard. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's a mindset. I don't know what the right answer is because it's, it's just a mindset of like you're in it together. And of course you're working with creative agencies and they're in it for the business and we want to make more money too. So of course, you know, we're all here. And then you park that and then you think, okay, what do we really need to do to get this going? Um, and so I feel like I like working in partnerships um, and it's a lot about relationships and, and being authentic, I think as well. So, you know, no hidden agendas. If there's an elephant in the room, you tackle it head on, you nip it in the bud. And, um, and I always say, you know, do what's right, not what's easy. And I think that resonates, like if they see your actions, I think it really resonates with, with people and they really understand that the intention there is really good and that there's no, nothing else that's driving you that's not purposeful to what you want to achieve. So, but it's not easy. And I think it's also a lot of experience as well mm -hmm. um, yeah. and intuition, which I always talk about because I think, yeah, there's data, so there's science, but a lot of our job is really about intuition and experience as well. And you need to use both when you know it's right. I agree with you. And I didn't trust my intuition enough when I was younger. I learned to trust it much more as I got more experienced. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's normal. But I think yeah. with a lot of young people now, I say trust it. If something doesn't feel right, yeah. Follow that. Yeah. Or if it feels really good, follow that. Yeah. And and also if it's funny because sometimes I, I also say that if you feel uncomfortable it's, it's telling you something. It's telling you something. Also in the good and the bad. Yes. Because like um, you know, I always say the best campaigns that I worked on and my team worked on were the ones that I felt most uncomfortable because I felt to your courage, you needed that courage to take that step because you were feeling uncomfortable with it. And so I think that that's also an interesting angle um, when talking about campaigns and content creation is like, I always say, feel comfortable with the uncomfortable and you'll get some great, great results. So I love you, what you said at some point about being a great boss. You said, I always judge a great boss by asking myself, if they leave for another company, will I follow them? So that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool test. Have you ever done that? Have you ever followed a boss to another company? Um, Has anyone followed you to another company? Yeah, well, yeah. actually just recently. Yeah? Um, yeah, I've had people come, follow you? come over. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, but if I have to think, yes, I did. Um, I went from um, local market um, when I was working in Adidas to global headquarters because of the person that hired me and I really trusted and was a great um, leader. And I knew that I could, you know, I'm very, as I said before, results oriented. <laughs> and uh, and I knew that he would enable me to deliver on the results that he, he was asking for. So that happened once. So Allegra, we're going to have a little bit of a lightning round at the end. Okay. It can, it, it can be slow lightning, don't worry. Okay, but good. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions <laughs> to, you know, just to, your perspective on interesting issues and also some personal okay. habits and rituals. So what's the first thing you do in the morning? Uh, I open my window and I look at the fire escape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the first thing I do. <laughs> okay. That's good. Why do you do that? 
don't know. I just kind of like want to get a sense as to like what's the what the day's looking like, yeah. the weather, things like that. Yeah. Okay. So what do you read or listen to or watch every day? I well, I love samba music. So Alexa plays a lot of samba. Yeah. <laughs> it just it's positive and it's like it's music that just puts me in in a great mood. So that's that's a ritual that I've got more or less every day. You read books? Not as many as I'd like to. Uh, I used to read out? a lot more. Positive leadership. I'm just reading it now, and uh, it really is resonating with me. And it's a I travel pretty much, so it's one of those books that's easy to read on airplanes, mm -hmm. and it's very inspirational. Are you a podcast person? Not really, Not really. no. Maybe we can change that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a sommelier, a trained sommelier. Do I have yeah. that right? Yeah. So what I inspired that? Um, well, in my family, we've always had, you know, I'm half Italian, so obviously uh, always been fond of wine. And uh, I can't, today, now that I think about it, I can't believe I did that while I was working. Um, and it was quite an achievement because uh, I did it when I was in Italy and I did all three levels, um, did all the exams. And I can't seriously believe I passed because it was the most difficult thing that I've ever done. Um, but yeah, I have a passion for wine. How do you keep it alive? The passion and the practice? Um, drinking a lot of wine. No, just <laughs> no, Tough. no, but it's just like, you've got, you've got to keep on reading. Um, I read a lot about, you know, and it's just a passion of mine, you know, and just keep staying up to speed and traveling as well. I think culture sure. is really important. So if you go to Napa Valley, you know, and just, you know, try to, try to, you know, just stay, stay on, um, do you have a go-to everyday wine? Um, not really. I mean, I'm a very Try. fond, I love white wine. Um, so I like the whole range. I think there's one very special Spanish wine that I'm particularly fond of, which is Godelo. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to find. So generally when I find a restaurant or a place that's got it, I know that it's, uh, it's a great place to go to. <laughs> so best restaurant you've eaten in lately? Well, my friend in Venice, Italy owns probably the best fish restaurant that I've ever been to, Le Carampane. And I was there just three three weeks ago on a quick vacation. So you can help me with the table there? Yes. Okay, there, very there's good. very small, so it's hard to get in. So what's the best ad you've ever made? The the best ad I've ever made, and it's not just I, it's my sure, team. Sure, it's a team, yeah. That you've been part of, I should yeah, say it that way. Yeah, that we did together. Um, I would probably say future the the first campaign that we did for for originals because I know how difficult it was for the team to get through that and land on a and a new campaign that was starting to turn the brand around so that's that's the one that I'm most proud of we're proud of most and you did that of. with who was your with agency? Johannes Leonardo yeah. always that was yeah. prior to the one right. we won the Grand Prix for how do you stay fresh energetic and feeling great what do you have any rituals is it sleep is it exercise is it meditation is it yeah food? meditation mm -hmm. um and then i love taking walks along the hudson i live in the west village and it's just a couple of blocks and you know on a saturday morning i'll just take a we'll take a nice long walk um i really enjoy that and getting fresh air and you know and seeing seeing the river flow by it's really nice so who else would you like? I know you're not a podcast person, but we're going to work on we're that. We're going to work on that. <laughs> who would you like to hear on the podcast that would be useful and helpful for you and entertaining? I think Sheila Shakar from Athleta. Uh, I think it'd be great to, to hear 
from her because I think the brand's doing so well. It's part of Gap Inc., obviously, mm-hmm. but they're doing a lot of great, um, great things at the brand. And maybe because I come from a sports, sure, uh, twelve years in sports, uh, I see a lot of opportunity there. And she's a she's a great marketeer and a person that I think you would enjoy talking to. A lot. We should do that. We're, our listeners are asking for more in uh, wellness, fitness, exactly. health, yeah. sports. So we're trying to do that. Yeah. So, Allegra, thank you. Thank you. This has been an inspiring discussion. Good luck to you. Thanks. I'll be following carefully, and I'll I'll make sure I get myself in gap clothes next time we meet. Yes, (laughs) for sure. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Allegra O'Hare. I loved a lot about this conversation, but I especially loved how she is spending her first year at the Gap onboarding, creating energy at the company. She's inspired, and their new vision for the company is starting to come to life. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.